launch is great because a launch is like an alignment exercise. It means that product is working towards the launch. Marketing is working towards the launch. Sales is working towards the launch. Leadership cares about the launch. It's, you know, and like launches as like the operating system and the really the one thing that is the most impactful for the business that PMMs do is that sort of launch. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. We, we have a special episode today for two reasons. Uh, this is the first time that, that Mike Donnelly has not been able to be here, knowing when Seven Cents has not been able um, to, to be here for, for one of our recordings. So I know he misses this. Um, I promised that I would uh, fill in ably for him because we were both excited to talk about today's subject. We're going we're gonna to at least start talking about product marketing and there was Nobody that we wanted to have that conversation with more than Marcus Andrews, who's a uh, product marketer or something or other with uh, HubSpot. I'll let Marcus uh, tell you who he is and what he does. So Marcus, let me give it to you. Um, tell everybody who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Marcus Andrews. Um, I am the product marketing group lead for the marketing hub at HubSpot, um, for the, which, which means that I... I lead a team of product marketers and we look after the product marketing for that product line. And every product group that's inside of it. And it is uh, HubSpot's largest and oldest product line. And um, we are very, keep very busy with it. I'm the host of the product marketing experts, which is my uh, product marketing podcast. And I definitely like to talk and write and think a lot about product marketing. So um, yeah, super excited to be on the show. I'm glad I was waiting until Mike wasn't here to join. That was what I was just waiting for this. I was like, okay, Mike's not going to be here. All right, I'll come on the show. Smart man, smart man. Um, so, so is is it true what they say? Those people who can't do product marketing lead product marketing teams. <laughs> you know, product marketing is a tough role. It's uh, it's like a roller coaster. You you go through some big highs and uh, with uh, product launches, and then you can then everything kind of cools down. And so it's not a it's not a steady stream of consistent work, um, but it's super exciting. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've done it as an IC for a lot of years and now I've got a team, but um, I think that's just usually how it goes. That's, that's individual contributor for those of you um, non-acronym oriented uh, company folk out there. <laughs> um, so I have been wanting to ask this question about product marketing. Actually, I got three questions about product marketing. Right. Um, and you know me well enough that you, 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 I'm sure will understand the questions when I ask them. So here they are. I'm going to ask the three and then I'm going to let you product marketing. Number two, is it really a thing? And if it is a thing, how is product marketing different from marketing? So that's my fancy way of saying, what the hell is product marketing? Yeah. So product marketing is this, this is the idea behind product marketing. Let's take a bunch of creative generalist marketers and let's embed them into the product team, embed them with the product team. And then, uh, how do you, then task them with positioning our products and organizing them into launches. And that's kind of it, you know, like that's our scope. I think that what has happened is that uh, when you started a company, uh, when you started like a SaaS tech company or technology company, you know, you didn't have to be product driven at all, right? Like you could be totally sales driven or totally market driven. And like I worked at a startup in 2011 
Uh, and we had an amazing sales team and we had an amazing marketing engine. Our product was like, okay. And this is, this is what HubSpot used to be like too. Uh, and that worked. Like we acquired all these customers. They would use the products. Like it was great. We grew that way, but now people are smarter. They have very high expectations for product. And if your company isn't product driven, like if you don't have a great product, uh, you're going to have high churn. You're going to have, um, you know, it's going to be hard to acquire company or customers. Like you're going to, you're going to, your brand's going to deteriorate. You're just going to erode. And a huge part of being product driven is to have market, a marketing message that is really rooted in your product. So that's what product marketers do. And it's definitely a discipline of marketing because we have um, product marketers are generalists, but we have uh, specific, very specific things that we do, very specific skill set, And at, First, it looked very different at lots of different companies. And everybody says this and it drives me crazy. Like, oh, product marketing is different everywhere you look, but it's not. We all do the same thing. We all have the same goals. We all use the same tools. Um, at some point, I think every marketer could become a product marketer, right? Like, at, like right now, if you're a brand marketer, an email marketer, or a demand gen marketer at a company, you don't have to know that much about the product. Product marketers do. We, we have to know a ton about our product. Um, but just like every salesperson today is a product expert, just like, you know, I mean, other parts of the company, like, like even like leadership as product experts, I think marketers are really going to have to become product experts to do their job well. Um, and right now, most teams rely on their product marketing team. Like my brand team doesn't know the product inside and out. They have to come to me for that information. And I translate, I, you know, there's a, there's a, positioning is a translation process between like your market and your product and, and what your marketing says. And right now that's our job, but I think it eventually it could just become every marketer's job. So maybe in the few, maybe in 10 years, product marketing goes away, but it's a real thing. Uh, we have a real scope. We do real stuff. Um, you know, first of all, that's a great answer. Cause, cause I was only being somewhat tongue in cheek when I, when I asked the question, what is product marketing? I'm, I'm going to circle question. back. I'm, I'm going to circle back to that in a second because um, I now understand why I was confused by what is product marketing. And, and I actually think a lot of other people um, are confused as well. So I'm going to, I'm, I've got a couple notes to, to circle back to, but so, so the first thing I'm going to say is that it sounds to me like product marketing is addressing um, a major, a major flaw or, or, or oversight. Um, and, and on that point, I'll, I'll share where I've always had um, an issue about like, what is account-based marketing? Um, and I remember I, I had a chance to talk to Sangram who, you know, was one of the founders of Pardot is now running um, Terminus for those, the, for those of you who don't know who he is. You know, I was on a podcast with, it was him, it was a debate, him against me, you know, is ABM a thing? Um, and I learned from talking to him that, that when these marketing automation platforms and this, you know, the, the, the marketing engine and the lead gen, I guess they're calling it revenue marketing now, you know, lead generation focus. So it's funny the names that they come up with, but you know, he said to me that, well, you know, we used to pay attention to leads. Like it didn't like a lead was a lead was a lead. Um, what ABM does is it, is it takes into account what's your ideal client? Does it fit your ideal client profile? And I'm like, wait, do you, like, I literally asked the question, you mean you weren't doing that before? And, and he said, no, we weren't. And I was like, oh, I, I guess if you weren't doing that, then yeah, ABM would be a thing, but like, why the hell weren't you doing that? So 
here, here's where I connect to it. And, and it's, it's part of where I get frustrated with, with just the general term of marketing, right? Marketing is um, product, place, promotion, and price, right? Those, those are the four P's of marketing. Product. Like, so how can you have marketing if, if product isn't at the center of it? I mean, have you ever heard of uh, vaporware before? I mean, that is, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the symptom, right? Like vaporware is pretty pervasive in, or even like some part, like, I think it's easy as a marketer. To, it's like, it's hard to, to be a marketer and stay rooted in the product, you know, because you're talking to an engineer or a product team and they're like, we got some APIs and we have all these features and stuff. And they're like, well, everybody wants to hear about, you know, artificial intelligence and chatbots. So I'm going to go and I'm going to talk about these things. Then I'm going to worry late. I'm going to later, I'm going to worry about like how that relates to our product. Um, and that's, that's definitely problematic. So I think that's how it happens. And like, it's a real challenge to say, I'm going to start with the product and, and go and and go and go the opposite way. Um, so, and so I think that that is a thing and it happens, but you're right. Products should be part of marketing. I will say the other force, I talked about that, you know, that force in that, like, we help companies be product driven and product driven companies win. The other force is just like how competitive every space is today. You know, it's like, I don't need to tell you about the MarTech super graphic, right? But it's like software is just becoming a commodity and everybody's getting good at, at marketing. Um, software companies look this exactly the same wherever you go you go to the website of any software company and they're like using the same fonts and autom you know the same language and the same approach and so the other thing is that product marketers deliver is just a real in a process around storytelling and positioning and a real approach to that so you we help companies make like win by being product driven but also there's no other group that really like is thinking deeply about what is our narrative as a product or as a product driven company? And then also like, where is our position in our market? Like if you look at our technology, like what is the right, how can we position this in a way that's going to give us the best path forward? Like some, like an interesting positioning example right now is that there's all this um, natural language processing technology that's out there right now. So like gong, is like really interesting natural language processing technology, right? Like you hook Gong up to your, your CR, CRM and then it starts to process all these conversations and turn them into intelligence. The, I, for my podcast, I use this company called Descript and like they are also natural language processing. Like they just, they transcribe my interviews into uh, text and then I edit it. That's like the same technology. Like that's a very similar technology. One is used to help salespeople close deals. The other one is used to um, allow like podcast editors to edit their stuff. They're just they're but they're positioned in two extremely different ways. Right. And the product is built in different ways. So, um, yeah, if you're thinking about forces that we like that have created product marketing, I think about competition, I think about being product driven. Um, so yeah. So let, let, is product marketing a, a, a SAS based discipline only? I mean, I've, I've only worked in MarTech and in SaaS, so I don't want to get outside my boots and say, no, I mean, the problems that we solve are pretty universal. Um, I talk to product marketers who work at other, B, you know, who don't work at B2B technology companies, but I will say that's like, I think the industry that maybe needs it the most or is utilizing it the best right now. 
but it's it's everywhere. Like I so mean, so I'm um, going to disagree with you. They're not sure. the industry that utilizes it the best. They, I will agree with you that they are the industry that needs it the most. Um, I think I think consumer, I think CPG uses it the best because Coca Cola's had product marketers for decades. Um, IBM's had product marketers for decades. Um, I, I I do it, it, so it's it's the fascinating part of what you talked about was that that in this SaaS space you have such an engineering based culture that comes in that that you tend to either get an engineering dominant company that emerges or a sales dominant company that emerges, um, which is the Larry Ellison, just tell them what they need to hear by the time they figure it out, it'll be too late type thing. And, um, and, and so what, what, what it sounds like, and again, it's, it's a fascinating perspective for me because it sounds like what product marketing is doing in in many ways is, is it's filling this gap, which, which, which you're using the term product led, which I've always kind of, it's always rubbed me the wrong way. And like product, like I call product led growth. I call it the, um, the Trojan horse strategy. And I know they're not the same thing. Right. But what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but actually I do, but um, <laughs> is in a lot of ways it's, it, it's about, I mean, like your job is to connect the product to the customer. Absolutely. Right? And, and so it's, it's, I mean, it really is kind of taking, it's almost customer-led growth. I mean, is product marketing and jobs to be done? Is, is that what like product marketing's job is to help identify, you know, hey, we've got, I mean, what you, the example you brought up about uh, NLP. Um, yeah. Similar technology and, and in all likelihood, I mean, Gong could certainly do what they're doing and, and be a podcast and, and probably the other one. I mean, Gong's got, I mean, I don't know the other technology that's there, but they're distinctly different jobs. And, and right. I would say that, I'd say that one of the big problems in SaaS today is they think people care about the technology. Like when mm-hmm. you said, well, people are talking about AI and chat. And I think in reality, they might be talking about it, but they don't really care about it. Somebody's got a job to do. They need to get that job done. Is product marketing responsible for filling that gap? Uh, so... I don't want to mix it up too much with, with product manager's job, right? There's definitely a line there um, where I always rely on my product team to define that. Uh, and I think good product teams will, right? So like um, the, the thing that product marketers will add to that is that, you know, the product team will figure out, the product team will likely figure out like, who is our, who is our user? What are we trying to say? Like, what are their challenges? How are we going to solve that? Um, but what usually happens is that you will go and you will talk to a product team and they will say, you know, I've got this feature and I've got this feature and this one's launching, this one's going to be in beta. You know, I'm working on this idea and it's sort of this, they're solving all of these problems all at once. And they're, you know, it's rolling out continuously. That's really hard for people to sort of like grok and understand. It doesn't make for good marketing it comes out really complicated. So there's this, you know, you, every product marketer at every company that I've, you know, these especially tech, tech and SaaS, B2B SaaS, that's what I know. They sit down with their PM team, with their product team, and they say, all right, I'm going to help you make some sense out of this. And that's like, that's a great role for me because I literally just don't understand like the complexities of, you know, all the, the, the things that product is deciding. They get tight on those jobs to be done, but it's our team that turns that into a story 
which turns us into positioning, you know, we maybe break down like the 17 personas and jobs that they have into three jobs to be done that we can then communicate on a product page in a slick way. And we can tell a story around, you know, generally a lot of what um, I will do with product teams is I will help them take lots of features and package it into one story and then turn it into a launch. And a launch is great because a launch is like an alignment exercise. It means that product is working towards the launch. Marketing is working towards the launch. Sales is working towards the launch. Leadership cares about the launch. It's, you know, and like launches as like the operating system and the really the one thing that is the most impactful for the business that PMMs do is that sort of launch. So I think those jobs to be done and like really, you know, that's more of a project product management function. It's just product marketing who turns that into like a marketable event. So the product team, the product manager figures out the job to be done. How are we going to solve the problem? The product marketer figures out how are we going to communicate this so that the intended person actually understands what you're saying and, and sees and feels that utilization. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think there's like, do I pass? Um, you put, you pass, you pass, right? Like there's a, uh, you know, there's like a, I think of it as a Venn diagram. There's like three, there's your product, there's your marketing message, and then there's what the market cares about. And product marketing is pulling those three things together, right? Because if you only, if you only communicate what your product does and you don't turn it into marketing, it's just super boring. You're very boring. If you only, if you only talk about what the market wants to hear and you don't actually tie that back to your product, you're essentially vaporware. But if you if you have a good product, if you have great marketing that's very product driven, that's also rooted in like what the market cares about, and like a creative storyteller has put those together, and those three Venn diagrams cross over each other, then you have a, a great marketing story um, that's also product driven. I, I heard another piece in there that, um, and and I'm seeing issues around this as 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 you know, companies by definition almost have to expand what their offering is to, to, to do more to deal with. And, and so you come up with something and before you know it, um, I mean, I, I know many, I've, I've said to more than one company, Hey, there, you've got seven different businesses here. Mm. And, and I, yep. I, I can tell you, you could build a business on any one of these seven different businesses, but you can't build one on all seven of these businesses. So there's like the, you know, there's the, like for you, there's the HubSpot messaging, and, and there's probably some aspect where someone comes up with a feature, even as a subset of marketing that, that begins to, if you're not careful, it takes it out of what the marketing hub message is, which if it's not careful, it takes it out of what the overall HubSpot message is. So it's about aligning all those vectors, if you will. Does that, does that fit or am I just making stuff up? For sure. No, I think... Um... Uh, having some sort of unified message like is good. I mean, you like usually the prop, like we're going to, we're going to like, we're talking about CRM powered marketing a lot these days, but that is like almost a reflection of the marketing. It's, this is something like newer, but like all of the product teams and marketing hub are working on a pretty shared mission of taking, allowing marketers to use more CRM data in their marketing because it makes your marketing better. And they were doing this. They just didn't realize like this, 
this larger story here. So it's kind of my job to then come in and say like, all right, here's the story. And then here's how all of the different products like play into that story. So, um, which helps people digest it, right? Because if you say, Hey, here's marketing hub and we do X, Y, and Z, you know, it's like, Holy shit, I don't understand what you're talking about. But if you say, Hey, here's marketing hub, it's a marketing automation platform that you use to, you know, you'd use to do CRM powered marketing. And here's how that is going to help you win and allow you to like break through all this noise. And this is what it looks like, you know, it just helps you figure out like a human can digest that story pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I know, I know about like three years ago as, as all the hubs were coming out. I mean, I remember I uh, gave feedback to, to a number of people and I said, look, the problem right now is I don't know what HubSpot is. Yeah. Um, Cause it, and, and I don't, I don't have that feel. I mean, it, I don't have that feeling anymore. I, I think I, I, it, it pops up from time to time, but, so, I mean, product marketing, am I right that product, part of product marketing's job then would be to ensure that, that it does, like when someone starts saying, I don't know what you guys are anymore, that, that's like a signal that, they, hey, we've got a product marketing problem. 100%. Yeah, that's scary, right? If they, yeah, if people come to the product page and they're like, what do you, and like, that's, the pro, that's part of the issue for HubSpot, right? Is that like a big part of what is unique about the product marketing that we do is that like 100%, like we need to make it easy to understand for anybody to wrap their head around the value of uh, our more technical products. So that like, you can be talking to, um, you know, that a lot of what we're doing right now is adding real enterprise power into marketing hub. And so we're getting into some pretty technical things. So like, it's helpful for me. It's challenging for me as a, generalist creative marketer to go in and like understand this thing but then yes then that's my job is like i'll understand it and then i need to break it down and give it and you know digest it for people uh but yeah totally like our product line is expanding um it's hard to tell a good story when you have like a ton of different products that do different stuff you know you just you're going to confuse people. So um, we, we have tools to help with that, right? Like the flywheel is a big one. So, and you know, when we introduced service hub um, three years ago now or so uh, we did it by saying like, we're going to retire the funnel and we're going to introduce the flywheel. And the flywheel is this new way to grow your business. It's, it's better because it puts customers at the center of your business. It gets rid of this broken model of the funnel, but to do it, you need to have sales and, and marketing and service working together. And then like, oh yeah, we've got service up here that we're introducing. So like that was a, that was a tool, a storytelling device, a narrative that we use to help people understand. Like by the time you got done hearing about the flywheel story, you're like, oh yeah, let's use service up. This sounds great. Um, so yes, that was something I worked on. And I think a good example of just kind of like how that happens. So you talked about the importance of a launch just to make sure that we're using the term, what, what does a launch mean for you when you talk about it from a product marketing perspective? Yeah. So product launch is a big, it's a marketing campaign. Um, and, uh, it's very product driven. So, you know, it's usually something like introducing the all new marketing hub enterprise or introducing HubSpot video. Um, that's kind of the full, you know, the form that it takes. Uh, but what's, what it really is, is it's an alignment exercise because you work at a company like HubSpot, you really work at any company. Right. And like, this was a Darmesh talk three years ago. It's like, you know, the, the, the biggest goal in every company is just vector alignment. Like you have all these people, they're all doing their own thing. They, they get pointed in slightly different vectors and the, the, the ship is no longer on course. Um, so a product launch is product driven, which is great because the product is what you sell. Uh, but instead of being like, 
lots of features that are coming up all the time. The PMM packages up all these features into a single event. And then they take that to, you know, this is just how it works in HubSpot. This is basically how it works everywhere. We take that to leadership. Leadership's bought in. They put a, you know, they assign a revenue number behind it. They get excited about it. Marketing, which is always craving direction. Marketing is, loves it when we come in and say like, hey, here's this new product that we're releasing. It has a ton of revenue potential. If we put a bit, if we run a big campaign around it and make it marketable, it can become a lead gen activity it can become a, uh, you know, we're going to use it for sales enablement and then sales uh, and service and everybody too. So um, that is what it looks like inside of HubSpot. And that's what it looks like at most places. You know, I think having an operating system like that too gives your company a lot of direction as well, because it's like every quarter we are going to step on the gas on this one thing. And we know that it's revenue driving. We know it's going to align vectors. We know it's the new product that we're coming out with. Um, so yeah, that's like the and product launchers are so underrated. You know, I talked to some startups or companies and they they don't have this, this, uh, they're running like marketing campaigns and pushing out products separately. And like every, it's just, I look at it and like, you're just missing out on like these huge impactful campaigns. Like product launches are by far the biggest, you know, most impactful, like, um, marketing campaigns that HubSpot runs. Um, and they're hard, they're big and they're messy and they're complicated to get that many people running focused in the same direction, but they definitely work too. So how, how many launches do you do a year? So we have like a system for it. And most, most product marketing teams do there's, there's what we call a, um, priority level. So there's like a P1, a P2, a P3, a P4. They all come with a different set of, uh, you know, uh, stuff that they get that the marketing team has agreed to. Uh, so the biggest launches P1 launches, you know, the very biggest launches are where we introduce like a new hub. Um, and right now we're doing that about every quarter. So I think in the beginning of the year, we had a launch marketing hub enterprise. So it was a launch I worked on. Um, a little bit later in 2020, we had the launch of CMS Hub, which is another major launch. Um, and then we've got some exciting launches teed up in three weeks for inbound. So we've got another P1 launch there. Um, so those P1 launches happen about every quarter. And then there's P2 launches happening probably every month. Um, and then there's smaller launches underneath those that happen, you know, every week or so. So you may only hear about the biggest ones um, or their specific audiences. Like we have a pretty sophisticated setup just because we're so big, but um, I think quarterly is best because if you, I've seen startups try to launch something every week or every, every week. And that's just, be, that just becomes noise very quickly. You could do it every month, which could be cool, but how impactful are those products? Um, or you can do it every quarter, which gives you kind of gives your audience some breathing room, but also shows that you have good momentum and usually they're pretty impactful updates when you do do it. So that's my point of view. So what, what, what does a monthly launch? So you gave a little bit about what kind of what that hub launch looks like that P1. So what would a P2 launch look like? A P2 is, um, like our ABM product. So it's cool. It's um, sellable, but it's not something that every, like it's not something that we want to put all of our chips into, you know? Um, so usually there's some sort of like, you need some sort of mechanism to rank these things. Like HubSpot has analysts. So, you know, we have some business analysts who can come in and can say like, well, this, this, the potential of this launch is huge. Uh, but you can also do it on your own and like, I mean, you can do it, you know, in a, a scrappier way and just say like, all right, 
what do we think is the business? Like, are we doing this because to, to, for net new ARR, like we know this is going to help us break into a new market and sell a lot more, whatever. Are we doing this because it's um, like a defensive play that's really strategic and important? Like, you know, those are all higher priorities. If it's something that people have been asking for, but it's not actually going to help you sell new stuff or um, save you a ton of business, but it's a big update, like that's probably something that's, you know, more of a P2. If it's something that no one's really going to care about, they're just going to find and start using, then that's P4, you know, so having some sort of system to rank those is helpful because then also you can, you know, the PM and the PMM can come in and they can have a quick conversation there too. So it's like, Hey, I'm working on this thing. Uh, I'd love to get some marketing support for it. You know, I'd love to make this big and the PM can kind of come in and say like, well, based on everything you've told me, it's really like a, you know, like a P3. I don't really know if I'm not going to be able to make a business case for this to go and like sell it to marketing. Cause that's part of our job too. So, so what you're saying is don't be on the product team that gets classified as a P4. No, well, the, the, uh, I mean, smart product teams can, you know, figure out way to make uh, big launches out of stuff, but you can, you have to find a good balance, right? Cause you don't want to, I mean, you got to have a good product team to do these well, but like you also got to find a good balance cause you can't do so, too many launches and too, or too few. So, so, so I understand now there's a few things that a couple companies that I won't name because I'm in a, I'm in a nice mood today. I understand what they're doing now. Right. Let, so let, let, let me give you, maybe the other side of it from a customer perspective. Mm-hmm. And I can think of two companies where this is, you know, absolutely the case. Number one is I feel like I'm getting sold all the time. I feel like I'm constantly getting sold. And it's like, they've got a product that does something really, really well. And I love it for what it does. Um, and, and I'll tell you the moment, the moment a, a competitor comes close, I would go to them if they, well, I, I used to say sold less hard, but I now see what they're doing is they're doing launches, hmm. right? Um, so how, how do you mitigate that? Uh, if you're selling too hard, you're doing too many launches, it's- No, of- I, I, I mean, I, I think HubSpot has some of this. There, there are a lot of things underneath there that are like, hey, you know what? I bought this product, I'm using it for this. And I like, there's a whole bunch of things in there where where there's, they're get, it feels like I'm being sold here. Hmm. <laughs> how do you manage that balance so that yeah, you're launching, yeah, you're building that momentum, yeah, you're building that alignment, but it's also not creating this, um, just, you know, I'm always being sold. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I think then it's probably just not rooted enough in the, um, the, the stuff you care about, you know? So maybe that's too, product driven. I mean, like, um, launches are rev- like, you know, they, rev- they generate revenue impact and like you sh- they should be an opportunity to sell, but also they have to be like, you know, they have, like you have, they have to be interesting and they have to be helpful th- for you. So, um, you know, if they're not talking, if they're talking about the, you probably get that dissonance where it's like, I'm getting being sold this because it's something that's like, eh, I don't really care about it, but they're trying to get me to care about it. And like, they want me to buy this thing, right? That's like, ah, if now I feel like I'm being sold. But if they, but if you had something that you really cared about um, that you thought was really important, then you probably wouldn't feel that way because it'd be like, oh yeah, tell me more, right? Like give me, yeah, give me, give, give me this. I'm trying to figure out this thing. So maybe they just missed the mark with you or they're just not doing a good job with like, you know, targeting their audience. I think that's a huge one. Like you don't want to, 
if you're always just hitting send this email to every single person in my database and you know uh we're and the other thing too is that like you know a lot of companies do this but it's really annoying because they just talk about how great they are over and over again it's like yeah we're so awesome you know what you are gonna love this thing because we're gonna solve all your problems and that's another approach Mm, where i feel like people feel like they're getting (laughs) sound who knows but it's like that's the um you know, this whole, this whole idea of uh, narrative design and strategic narratives with Andy Raskin talks a lot about this is that you are helping your customers like adapt to change in the world. You're not solve. You're not this amazing solution. That's cause like nobody gives a shit about your products or your company, right? They're just trying to help. They're just trying to figure out how they can grow, how they can adapt to change in the world. And I think like, it's also helpful when you position yourself that way. It's like, we've seen what's coming, you know, you need to figure this out and we're going to help you do it. It's not, um, you know, who, you know, it's not like, look at us, we're so great, which is problematic. Let, let me give you the second aspect of it. Um, I'm going to, we're going to finish with narrative. I want to, I want to, cause I want to cool. talk, I want to finish with, with, with your thoughts on positioning and narrative, but there's a couple places I want to make sure we get to before we go there. Um, the, the second aspect of not being sold, you know, feel like I'm being sold all the time. I, how do you maintain that launch pace and not, fragment your core business or fragment your core offering where, you know, you're constantly looking for, for that next thing that, that you stop being that thing that people are buying to begin with. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a great point, right? Like I do think like, um, you know, you can't just keep hunting uh, new revenues and, you know, new S curves because certainly uh, people will start to feel like they're being oversold. Um so it just, it has to be meaningful product, you know, it has to be product driven. Like if you are trying, you know, if you're launching something that's just like, eh, you know, like meh from a customer seat, like if you're, you know, if you use um, whatever, if you use, uh, you know, like the, I was talking about that podcast editing software, you know, like if they come out with a launch and the feature and they make a big deal out of it and they make sure that I know about it and they kind of just did this, you know, it was this feature that was gated and they made a big deal out of it and i saw it and i'm just like eh, like it's kind of cool but i don't really care you know and like maybe that's okay but like if you're doing it right i think you're launching features that um people do really want to have but yeah you're totally right if you don't have news if it's like a mediocre feature or if you're just trying to upsell people like it's people are going to get up you know feel oversold not enjoy it so i'm i'm probably going to use the wrong example cuz but but i'm going to say that you know, what do you do if you're MailChimp? You're, you're, uh, you're an email provider. I mean, so, I mean, you have an advantage for two reasons. One, you've got an extraordinarily broad um, playground that, that enables that to happen. Um, but I mean, I bring up MailChimp, not, not to pick on MailChimp at all, because I think they do a great job. But, but the idea being, you know, I do this one thing, right? We're, you know, mm-hmm. may, maybe we're a SaaS company, but we're not a MarTech SaaS company. We're a you know, we, we support an aspect of the supply chain and, 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 and provide, you know, you know, the, the, the insights, you know, around a mission critical thing, but, but it really is, you know, a relatively narrow space. How, how would you, you know, so let, let's say you got recruited away from HubSpot, given tremendous stock options to, you know, help this company in that place. How, how would you take that launch mentality? And, uh, cause I get it. Like, like the alignment is great. The, the, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, Hey, it's the grand opening, you know, there's yep. that, um, you know, the, 
the, the cheering, et cetera. How, how do you apply that to something where maybe your, your scope isn't as broad? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot that can be turned into a launch, you know, I think like you do have to think about it creatively, but um, we have launched stuff, you know, like you can, um, you can certainly, you can, you can create a launch moment out of a lot of things. And like, you know, I have figured that out and like, that is a good thing to have as a product marketer too, because like, if you're just totally reliant on, I'm going to wait for product to build the next big thing, like, you know, that can be, you might not have anything to launch for a while. Right. So like you do need to be able to figure out how to launch an integration or launch a, maybe you're launching a pricing and packaging change, you know, like you do have to get creative and like figure out how you can create launch moments out of things that aren't exactly launch moments. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It's a tricky question. I mean, I think that um, your usually it just, I won't answer it for the MailChimp um, use case because I don't know. I only know my experience, but I mean, usually as product marketers are super connected to customers and they're super connected to the market. Like if you have, you hire a product marketer and they come in and they don't want to explore the market you're in and the cost and your customer, like immediately, then you're going to have problems because like, those are two things you have to know really, really well. And when you know those two things really, really well, you sort of have a pulse on, um, you know, what, what it is that you can launch or not launch and people are going to care about. And uh, yeah, in terms of, I mean, in terms of growing a company, I think like um, you do probably want to like start with a point solution and then start to find places to branch out um, to help people on those adjacent problems. So, so I see a lot of companies doing that. And I happen to think that one of the reasons is, is there's so much money that's been funding these companies that to justify the funding, they, they have to do this. Um, yeah. And I think it's creating a problem. And I'm, and again, this is where I think you you're you maybe are a little bit spoiled, sir. Um, a few, uh, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of Blackline episodes ago, Mike and I were talking about what is a platform, because um, you know everybody's a platform now, right? And it's yeah. like, you know, hey, you do this one teeny little thing, and it's the uh, the um, capitalize all letters platform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so you know, it's it's kind of lost a lot of its meaning. So so we really started getting into you know what is a platform really, and I brought up the point that you know the two. Um, Prototype platforms today. Like if you could think of like, you know, what are you what are you striving to be? iOS, Android. Those are right. And 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 so what they do is they they um they, they give everybody a head start, right? Because people who build on the platform don't have to build full products. Mm-hmm. Right. They get to leverage what, you know, they, they, they get to leverage what exists in the platform. One of the components around platforms is is that when you make that iOS or Android decision you're making a big decision before you, before the first feature comes. And so, you know, HubSpot has clearly hit that platform level. And and the example we used here was HubSpot and Salesforce, right? Those are two platforms. And and what I was saying there was before, before the first feature comes, when you choose, if you're making, you know, if, if you do it right and you make that platform decision, if you choose HubSpot platform, you're making a whole series of other decisions based on, and again, before the first feature that you use from HubSpot mm. with me. Right. And, and, and so part of what I'm getting at is I have very limited bandwidth personally for who I have deep, broad relationships with. Right. And, and one of the things that I think is the worst thing that you can do 
is to try to be a mission critical provider when in fact you're not mission critical. And it's okay that you're not mission critical because at the end, mission critical doesn't get you to great. Mission critical gets you to functional, um, right? And, and so some of what I'm seeing, which I'm now understanding the strategy behind um, product marketing is that there's this, that, you know, the fight for attention behind what I'm going to use is kind of the idea of launch where you're, where you're fighting out of the positioning that you establish. Like, like the company that I gave you the example where I feel like I'm always being sold. I realize what it is, is I bought them for X and they keep talking to me about Y and Z and kangaroo and this. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm beginning to feel like you don't, you must not care about this business because like that doesn't seem to be enough for you. Yeah. And, and you know, if you want to get my platform space, man, you got a, you got a big change fight. So, so how do you manage, like, how do you find your space within product marketing? I guess is what I'm getting at. I, I, I don't, I, that's a, that's a good question. I, I will say to you, just let me just answer your question, your question as a consumer. Like, I love it when a software company is like, I, we get you, like, we're just going to understand your one use case. And like, it's like craft beer versus like big label beer. Right. And like, I think it's totally, like, I think the craft software, I think there should be a craft software movement because when a company comes to me and they're like, we just care so much about your, like if, if there was, there's not really product marketing software, but if a product, if someone was to build product marketing software and come to me and just be like, we're founded by product marketers and we care about product marketers and all we, all we want to do is solve, like, we're not trying. And then it's really a good signal, I think, to you as an individual to say like, because it's hard to, it's hard for a startup to go up against, you know, companies like Salesforce and HubSpot and like, it's tough, right? Because like we do so much, we have big, powerful teams, but I think there is that there'll always be that space. And I think HubSpot embraces it, you know, for these companies that where it is like craft software and they're so focused on this use case to be best in class and really hone in on this one thing. Like, I think, I think, I think it's smart too. Like, I mean, maybe there's, you know, the growth potential is limited. Maybe it's like, yeah, it's VC money. That's like, messing it all up, but like, I love it. Like, you know, I love it when a company um, is really focused on, on and obsessed with like one thing, so. I mean, the, the, you know, there's a company that we're both intimately familiar with that, that I think that's part of where that kind of echo chamber keeps coming around is, you know, just like be what I want you to be, be really exceptionally good at it and and, and I think you can build, as a matter of fact, I, I mean, I know a product, I know a project management piece of software that was a great project management software. They gone public, multi-billion dollar valuation. So, you know, pretty good, I think for, you know, for a day's work. Right. But they keep trying to be something else is what it feels like. They keep launching this or launching that, et cetera. So, so how do you keep that focus in product marketing so that, so that, you know, like, I think what, I think what it is, is that it's the shortcut, like the shortcut to the launch is let's create a new thing. Mm, yes. So let's actually use this as a way because, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of talk about positioning and we don't have to dig deep into positioning, but you talk about narrative positioning and, um, and kind of, and I, and I forget exactly the term that, that, that you use because it's not narrative so, design, um, narrative design. There you go. So, so, so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, the, the there's I guess the place to start is that you know like um 
there's a lot of companies who just they you know we're talking about craft software and all i believe in all of that but like there's a lot of companies who look at their technology and they sort of say like this is it you know like we're this company because we do we built live chat and where we built you know sales acceleration software we built what you know whatever it is so that you know you look at g2 crowd and you say like this is our category this is what we do um i think that you know that is true and like it you shouldn't try to not be what your technology isn't but in terms of like your story and like you know the the narrative of your company and the direction that you have and why you are the thing that you're doing like there's opportunity to like build all of that and design it and be super strategic about it um so my process and how I think about it is really built off of what Halligan used to, to launch HubSpot, where he said, all right, you know, instead of I'm going into this marketing automation space, but instead of just being another marketing automation company, I'm going to look at the world and I'm going to say, this is what is changing in the world. Marketing is changing because people are blocking outbound messages. They're, they've got DVRs, they're skipping ads, they re, they're rejecting all of this push, this old school push, push messaging. I'm going to find the companies who are like doing it well and doing something different and attracting their audience. And then I'm going to build You know, he built a story around that new game. Like there's the old way, which is like this outbound push marketing. And there's this new way where people are attracting an audience and building things that people want and like pulling people in through their marketing. Like that was happening. Callaghan put a name on it, he put a name on it and he created inbound marketing by saying, this is, this is our story we're going to talk so much about inbound marketing um, because we believe in it as a narrative and a story. And he constructed it into a five slide story, which is how that's basically the same as my process. And they spent more money on that than they did on the HubSpot brand on, they did on, you know, trying to break into the marketing automation space. They just came up with this new game. They hired an Academy team to like build a playbook around this. And there's a, you know, the massive Academy. So, there's a way you can do that. And that is basically, I, I don't know how well I explained it there, but like, that is what I believe in. Like, I think that will help you break through because now you're no longer a marketing automation company, which there are hundreds of, and they're, they have bigger budgets than you and they have more people than you. You are the inbound marketing company, which no one else is. And so now all of a sudden you have like a monopoly on this space that didn't exist before, but now it's yours. So, so two things that, that, that come up with that, one is I think it's funny because you said he spent, we spent a lot more money on that than we spent on our brand. And, and that struck me bad. That struck me wrong because that is mm-hmm. the brand, right? Yeah. And, I, and, I know, and I know what you mean. Like, you know, there's- you mean the I'm, brand name though, you know, the, like, the, build, like the, the ads didn't say HubSpot. Maybe they did in the corner. The ad said inbound marketing, but I know. I'm with that's you, a, yeah. But that's, a, that's what, you know, it, it's like, uh, that's part of what I'm bringing it out is that had you spent it on brand, we would not be talking today. Right. right. But, but because the movement was the brand. Now you also said something else that I think a lot of people miss that was all happening. Right. Right. And I think where, where people get themselves into a lot of trouble is, well, first off, everything, it it doesn't have to be a revolution. It doesn't have to be a full transformation for it to be a meaningful trend, but it also does have to be there. And I think where I see a lot of, storytelling and product led whatever comes when we're, we're trying to manufacture a, a story, you know, in, in underlying component. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's a third element that gets missed. Right. So 
you could be in this commoditized category of marketing automation. You were instead, you were the only inbound marketing, right? But then there was a time where you stopped being the only inbound marketing, right? And, and so I think people forget you cannot be a category if you're the only one. Yes. That's true. Like many, many years ago, cause I read you know, 22 laws, immutable laws of, of marketing, right. And positioning in this and, and, and create your unique category. So I made like the classic mistake in creating a category. We trademarked it. Mm. Mm. Do not trademark your category. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, like if you, we own the category Thank you. You know, it, it's, you know, it, um, that's a good point. I think, yeah, people do because they want that uniqueness, but no, it just adds credibility when other people jump in. And like the thing, like the thing you, that you do want, you, you trademark it because you want a moat, right? You want that, you want something defensible around that idea, but the trademark won't do that. What will do that is, is if you build the playbook, like, 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 like there was the inbound marketing book. There was the HubSpot Academy. There's the inbound marketing certification. There's like years and years and years worth of content on our blog. There's like, like that's the trademark. That's the mm-hmm. moat, right? Correct. Because no one, no one can come around and say like, hey, we do inbound marketing better than HubSpot because they'll be like, no, you don't. Like I, I got certified, like that's the, so I see that happening with companies where they're doing this narrative design and they're coming up with their thing. They're coming out with their new game. I won't call it a category because I think, I think category creation is, is a flawed idea, but they come up with a new game, you know, and that, that new game, if that new game isn't backed up by a, like a real playbook and like a real defensible, like methodology and system and content, then like, sure. Someone else can come in and say like, Hey, we do it too. And like, because if, but you have to define like how it's done, which is great because then you get to set the rules around it. Well, if, if you, yeah. If you define the game, the mode is you define the game, right? And, and I, and, but if no one else is playing the game, then the game's going to be a, a small game. Fascinating. We're, we're going to come to a conclusion soon, I promise. Um, so this goes back to Domino's Pizza in the beginning, like many, many, many years ago. Um, and this is a fascinating story about competition, right? What they found was when Domino's opened up in an area where there were other pizza places, total pizza sales went up, mm. right? By the way, total pizza sales per location went up to the point where Domino's created a separate brand for markets that were so small, they were the only provider. They were the only pizza delivery place in that market. They would open up the second brand and sales would go up. The, the new store would equal the existing store, of the other brand and the existing store sales would go up. So we also forget if you're going to play a new game, you can't not let other people play with you. Right, which is yeah. a hard thing to do. And there was a time early on where HubSpot was, we're the only ones, we're the only ones. But then as other people started coming in, and I, just, like, I still remember when, you know, you guys used to get mad at me because I would say, yeah, so you're marketing automation. No, we're not marketing automation. We're inbound. I'm like, well, what is that? And they would have some marketing automation. No, we're not. And then Marketo started talking about inbound marketing. Right. And, it, and I keep saying like, yeah, that's when, um, right, that's when you want. Right. Right. It's, and, and, and if you had prevented them from doing that, I don't think you guys would be where you are right now. Yeah. I think, I think so too. And like, if we could have, if Marketo would have said, Hey, we do inbound marketing too. And in fact, we do it better because we like, we have all like they were, it was hard. Like they did come in, they knew they needed to come in they thought they needed to come in, but they couldn't compete because we had so much of a authority and that, you know, around the concept and like, 
we had all this built up equity and we had all this built up content and like our salespeople know exactly how to talk about it when you get on the phone with them. So if people care about inbound marketing, they're going to go with us, not, and um, yeah. And I would say this is a point you made earlier, but like, you're also right with this stuff. I think this is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people doing a version of narrative design right now and coming out with new games. Big mistake. Number one, it's not rooted in actual change in the world, right? Like, it's got to be a real thing, like, and not a bullshit thing. It's like, it's got to be, and there's only so many changes that are happening in the world. Like right now, there's very clear change that's happening in the world. Everyone's remote. Like if you, if you have, have sales software and you're not talking about how everybody's got to figure out like, you know, inside sales and like remote selling and like, like that's, that's the only relevant story, right? Like there's like, how do you connect with humans when you can't go see them in, in person? Like that's a clear change that everyone's dealing with. They're like, you know, so it like those if you can't like point to the change in the world and explain it in two seconds and someone can be like yep i get that because i'm going through it like really hard to do like that was inbound marketing it's like everybody's skipping ads like nobody wants everybody's using ad blockers nobody enjoys like mid-roll youtube ads like of course like i deal with that like nobody like that change is very fundamental i think that's a great thing that you called out and then also this like idea of like the content moat those are two things people are definitely getting wrong right now when when the market looks for a skip function in what you're doing, that might be a sign that it's not actually um, as useful as we want it to be. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to add um, an Amazon element to the narrative design, if I may be so bold as to modify <laughs> so, your... your uh, yeah, Doug, give it to me. It, so I've always been a fan of this too. And, and, I, and I ended up reading that, you know, this is actually something that, that um, Bezos has always paid a lot of attention to where, you know, we're all focused on trying to tell the story of what is changing. But what is equally important, and I think what makes a narrative design even more powerful is when you point out what is changing and match that with what is not changing. And I, and I actually think that's right. where the remote narrative is, is, is jumping the shark, if you will, is everything's changed. Sales has totally changed. Virtual selling. And okay, yes, it's, it's different. But it's different in degree. It's not different in kind. The elements, and, and by the way, it's actually a trend that you know that jumps onto inbound marketing, because you know I can't just interrupt you. I can't stalk you like I used to. You know, the, the, all, all those fun things. I, I want to make sure we don't lose. Oh, actually, let me pause here. Thought the thought on that. Does that does that fit to the to making narrative design even stronger? Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, I think it's smart to adapt to change. I will say that. But like, also, you don't want to come out with a narrative that just totally. Sh- it's on the old like you can't be you want to be unique and different with your story but if you're too far over the edge like people are going to reject it and so you have to be like you know rooted in something that's real and like familiar without being too crazy but yeah i think like just i mean just as a technique like being like things are changing but um some things are not i mean i think like humans are always interested in change right like like when there was a uh, you know, if you're like, if you're a caveman and you're, you're hanging out around your fire and all of a sudden you hear like a lion roar, you get up and you run because your environment has just changed dramatically, right? Like we are wired to like identify change and react to it. So I think anytime you're talking about change, people's ears perk up. So I will say that. Artie, last question for you, cause this is what I really want to know. What are your five slides? Yeah. So the five slides are the change in the world. And then how that change is creating winners and losers, right? So like, let's say, say we're just talking about COVID or, you know, COVID has changed the world. Everybody's got to do remote selling. The winners have figured out remote selling. They're doing it great. The losers haven't figured it out, right? Their businesses are failing. Uh, Third slide, 
how do you react to this change? And that's your new game, right? So like, what is this? How, what, how do you think people should react to it? I'll, let me, I'll start over. I'll go back to inbound, right? Change in the world. People are ignoring outbound messages. There's losers who care, who are still doing outbound. There's winners who are now doing inbound. What's this new game called? It's called inbound marketing. Inbound marketing is how you should react to that change, right? That's the third slide. The fourth slide is why it's so hard. Why is it really, really difficult to, to, to play this new game, to adapt to this change? And in the, the original inbound pitch, it was, well, you got to buy a blogging tool. You got to buy social media tools. You got to figure out the strategy for this. You got to like sell it internally. So that's, you're building empathy with your audience. You're understand, you're showing your under, you understand their pain. You're also kind of showing them that you get them and you've done it before. And then the fifth slide is your solution. Like what have you built to help them? Um, so those are the five things. Change, winners and losers, how you should adapt, why it's so hard, your solution. And, and Brian Halligan has been doing that five slide presentation. Like, he still does it. He, he's only got one trick. That's awesome. Oh, and, it, you know, it's awesome. So, that is, um, that, it is. man, I'll tell you what, um, you gave me some homework, man. This, is, uh, this was really, really good. Um, I knew we would have fun. I knew, I knew it would be uh, interesting. Um, but yeah, so Hannah, let's get to work on our, uh, you, you actually helped me understand where some of what of the story we're trying to tell. And I, I think we do a decent job telling a story, but I see where, where we're missing it a little bit. So um, yeah, I got some homework to do. Awesome. Well, good to chat, Doug. I'm glad you're getting into this stuff, man. It's fun for me. And like, uh, it helps me think through it too. So uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm going to figure out also for non-tech companies, what's the mm. quarterly, what's the quarterly launch plan? I think, I think there's a lot in there just of a refresh and it might even be here's like, here's the enemy, like just refreshing. Here's the enemy um, type thing. So yeah, so it was, uh, it was great. Any parting thoughts for everybody? No, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've written about this narrative design idea. It's out there on Medium. It's uh, a post called Why Narrative Design Re Will Replace Product Positioning in 2020. Um, yeah, I've got my, you know, my, my podcast where we do deep dives on product marketing every week is the Product Marketing Experts. It's on Spotify and YouTube, uh, iTunes and everything else. So um, yeah, and if people, you know, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn doing stuff too. So always happy to chat with people there. Marcus, this is great. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Doug.